All right, good morning, Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, we're going to get started this morning. I just have a few announcements. Next week, Saturday, guys, we're going to have our men's fellowship. So we invite you guys to come, maybe start the new year, joining us in our, our meetings. We have been studying or at going through a, a little series on spiritual maturity and talking about different subjects in that way. So guys, 7.30 next week right here. If you can join us, that'll be awesome. That'll be so fun. Our discussions have been so good. And uh, just helping each other uh, uh, stay accountable been really good. So next Saturday. Now I have a big and important announcement to make uh, for next Sunday. We are changing our service time to 9.30. (laughs) Someone was praying. Yeah, it's a little bit later. But uh, what it is, is before COVID, pre-COVID days, we were at the school at at Kalama Cafeteria. And we actually met at 9.30. That was like our time for forever. I mean, ever since this church was planted. And after COVID, we were back here. We weren't at the school. We're in a smaller space. So we actually had like two services to kind of not make it so crowded and, you know, with coming out of COVID and everything. And so we just kind of stuck with that, went to one service at 9. But now I felt like, you know what, we got to get back to our 9.30 service. It'll actually help our, our worship team have a little more time uh, also, um, when we do have our Ohana meals, we'll be closer to like lunchtime. And also, uh, with those reasons, and I just want to get back to that 9.30 start time. So uh, make sure, remember, we're going to start 9.30 starting next Sunday, the first of the new year, and from then on, 9.30, until I change it again. But 9.30 for now, but I know Lisa been praying, so God answer your prayer. And so <laughs> I think that's great. So 9.30, and if someone isn't here and they show up early, well, you're, you're here early, praise the Lord. But if you know of someone who isn't here, just let them know, oh, hey, you know, guess what, 9.30 is next week, you can sleep in, you can uh, do whatever you need to do before church, but uh, I ask you, yeah, let's join together 9.30 starting next week. All right, well, this morning we have a special New Year's message, so Happy New Year, everybody. We are about to step from 2023 tomorrow into 2024, and usually that's what I do, right, every uh, New Year's, uh, uh, right before or on New Year's, however, Sunday falls, we do a New Year's message, and, and that's what I have today, except we are going to actually have a special New Year's series. <laughs> it's the first time, usually I'll, I'll do one message, but I really felt like from the Lord that leading me to really dive into this subject, and, and so starting today, we are actually going to do a five-part series here. So it's going to run all the way to the end of January, starting today, last day of this year, this month, and then we're going to run into all the way, the next four Sundays in January, and we're going to do a five-part study in the book of 1 Corinthians 13, chapter 13. And we all know that chapter, right? It's well known for being love, talking about love, what love is, what, what, what God Define how he defines love and what love is in God's eyes. So I felt led to do this, and I believe God is asking us in 2024, coming into this new year, to to grow in our love. I mean, especially me. I'm I'm saying, hey, I'm I'm the first one. 
I was sharing with my wife, Kristen, about, oh, I really feel like the Lord doing this. Plus, I need a lot of help, you know. And I said, sorry, you know, but to her. But I, I believe God is calling us to really understand, learn, and grow in this love, the love of God, in, in how we are to live every day. Especially, think about this now. Not just in our own spiritual walk, but think about this. Also, time is short, right? Time is very short. And in this world that is just filling more with hate and separation, self-focus, I, I think even more we can make a difference in this world by rising up to a higher level of understanding of what love is. And we can make this difference in this world, in this year, who knows, I, Jesus may come back in 2024. I remember Pastor Chuck every year, New Year's <laughs> Eve, he would do a message. He would say, well, I believe that this next year, Christ, is, Jesus is coming back. You know, we all, at first I was like, really? Oh, I can't wait, you know. But we don't know, right? No man knows the day and hour, not at all. But it could be with the way we see the world is, society, things are set up, really. The stage is set, as many have said. And so I think it's just God's grace wanting more people to come to the Lord. And so you and I, we can be better witnesses for Jesus Christ by stepping up into what love really is. So I want to make a difference in the world. This next year. And so I want to love with the love that God wants me to love people with. And so I titled the message or this series actually, The Love That Touches Others. The Love That Touches Others. Now we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in these five weeks. But basically in these five weeks we're going to answer four questions. And this is our outline, basically, uh, that we'll be covering. And number one is, what is love? And number two is, what is not love? Number three is, what is love devoted to? And lastly, what is love's lifespan? So we'll, we'll be covering those as we go. But today, we're going to do this love that touches others, and we're going to take the first part, what is love? And we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 1 through 4a this morning, basically. Um, let's, just, let's just pray real quick here. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, what we can study this morning and this next month going into the new year. And I pray your spirit would speak to us, Lord, as here we are open to you, God. Lord, show us. Help us to grow. Show us what love is in Jesus' name. Amen. So the love that touches our others, this is part one, and we're going to cover this. What is love? What is love? What is love? Well, here's how some cakey uh, answered that, that question. Uh, Chrissy, age six, says, love is when you go out to eat and you give somebody most of your french fries without making them give you any of theirs. Carl, age five, says, love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on shaving cologne and they go out and smell each other. <laughs> Danny, age seven, said, love is when mommy makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure it tastes okay. I don't know if it's that. I know my, my wife will make me sandwiches and it always comes with a bite out of it. Yeah. But she's just making sure it tastes good. I know. 
Uh, Christy, age seven, says, love is when mommy sees daddy smelly and sweaty, and she still says that he is handsomer than Brad Pitt. (laughs) Johnny, age seven, said, falling in love is like an avalanche where you run for your life. (laughs) Elaine said this, last one, age five, she said, love is when mommy gives daddy the best piece of chicken. I like that. That's that selflessness, right? But what is love in God's eyes? And that's what we're going to be looking at today. What is love? And as we go through this, I'm going to give you four things in answering this question. And number one, the answer is love is agape love. Love is agape love. Now, I I want you to skip verse 1, 2, and 3. We're going to go back in the next one. But look at verse 4 right now. Verse 4, the first part says, love is patient and kind. And we'll be covering the patient and kind part, too. But first of all, I just want you to see in verse 4 that word, love. Now, the word love here, we all know, it's a Greek word, agape. The verb is agapao. But it all speaks about the same thing. This love is an unconditional love. It's a selfless love. It's a sacrificial love. It's not based on any feelings or emotion, but it's really a giving love. And we'll see it's an action love too. This is agape. And let me put this into your minds. Agape is the highest form of love that we can love with. It's the highest form of love that's in the Greek language, actually. Today, right, in our English language, we only have one word for love. You know, you know what I love about the New Testament? That it originally, the original, uh, back then, ancient days, they wrote it in Greek. That was what was common back then. And I love that because Greek is much more expressive, you know. It's much more detailed. You know, our, our, our English language isn't like that. For example... Uh, when we say love, what do we really mean, right? Maybe we'll say like, or, or, and, and, but then we'll ramp it up to love. But a lot of times we'll say, oh, I would love to eat Simon right now. Oh, that sounds really good, right? Or then we would say, oh, I love my cat. Some of you guys say, I hate cats. But some people have cats, and they say, oh, I love my cat. But then I would tell my wife, oh, I love my wife, Kristen. But do I love my wife with the same kind of love that I love Simon? No, it's, it's, there's different levels, right? And so that, that is what we see in the Greek language, actually, that, that it, it's much more expressive. So they have different words for love. Now, I'm going to give you four of them. Um, I was reading, there's actually a whole, whole bunch of them, but uh, let me just give you like four of them. First of all, let me give you number one, the Greek word eros, eros, E-R-O-S. Now that speaks of love on a physical level, kind of like hugging and kissing, holding hands, that, that type of level, or sexual love. It's where we get our English word erotic from. So eros, that's more on the physical level. Secondly is storge, S-T-O-R-G-E. That's used to speak about like family love, like, like your blood relative, right? Or we're tied together, family ties. It's that family bond that we have with our family. But then there's another word that's phileo, P-H, 
I-L-E-O. And it speaks of a deep love between like close friends, uh, like, like a, a, a close relationship we have, close friendships. Uh, it, it's what the Jews said when they saw Jesus weeping at the tomb of Lazarus after he died. In John eleven thirty six, the Jews said, see how he loved him. See how he phileoed him. Oh, he must have been close to him. They were close friends because he was always at his house eating dinner. They were always spending time together. So we have eros, storge, uh, phileo. But the highest level is what we're looking at here today, agape. In verse 4, or really verse 1 through 3, you'll see that we're all over in the New Testament. Most of the time, almost all the time, it speaks about, it, it's, it's a translation of agape, that unconditional love, and that's that highest level of love in the Greek language. So this unconditional love, you've got to understand, this love loves without any requirements. There's no conditions to this love, no demands. It doesn't expect repayment of love and kind or doesn't expect like well oh you gave me christmas present i'll give you one back since you gave me one right it it, it just gives it's unconditional and it gives even when spited that's unconditional right even when the person is unlovable it gives even when you've been rejected by that person you're still gonna love them that's unconditional love now think about it how hard that must have been. In the ancient Greek times, in, in their literature, in the secular literature, this word was hardly used. But in the New Testament, it's used all the time, especially when it comes to God and His love. That's His love for us. That's our example, really. Like when we read in John three sixteen, For God so loved the world He gave His Son, Right? God so agape the world. Unconditionally, he gave. In John 13, 1, it says, he loved them to the end. Talking about disciples. He agape them all the way to the end. Even though they they were messed up in their head. Yeah, They weren't totally loyal. Or 1 John 3, verse 1, it says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. Well, see what kind of agape the Father has given to us. So you get the idea. This is God's love. The love, when we talk about the love of God, it's about agape, the agape of God. So what is love? Well, first of all, love is agape love. It's that level of love that God loves us with. Love is agape love. And this is what we're talking about. This is what God wants to put into us more to rise up, that we would step up to that level of a love that loves unconditionally and isn't selfish or it's selfless. After a lesson on fractions, a teacher asked the class, suppose your mother baked a pie and there was five of you in your family. What part of the pie would you get? Right? So they're talking about fractions here. One boy said, a fourth. Well, the teacher's like, wait, wait, wait a minute. Let, let me tell you again, your fraction's off here. Remember, there's five of you in the family. You're cutting the pie up. Well, the boy responded and replied, said, but you don't know my mom. She would say she didn't want any pie so we could have a bigger piece. That's that picture. That's agape. That's what 
we need to be like. Frederick um, Agar, uh, this pastor said, Love never asks, how much must I do, but how much can I do? That's agape love. So what is love? Love is agape love. Number two this morning. Number two is this. What is love? Love is most important. I'm answering a different way, but that, this is what it's about. Love is most important. Now, let's take a look at verse 1 through 3 in 1 Corinthians 13. It says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so it's to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing, nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So now that we understand, when we talk about love here in this chapter, it's agape love. Now, now, now we can understand really this passage above what we looked at a little better. Now, in context, you've got to understand the Apostle Paul has been writing to the church in Corinth, the Corinthians here. And basically, in this section, they've messed up in how they uh, approach the gifts of the Spirit. They've basically been abusing it. They've been focusing in on just that. And one of the gifts they really focused in on was tongues. It's kind of like today, some people, you might have run into people say, uh, do you speak in tongues? You don't? Oh, you need the Holy Spirit. They equal being filled and baptized in the Spirit with speaking in tongues. But Paul, Paul's trying to clear all that up. He says, does everybody speak in tongues? No, not everybody. There's different gifts for, for the body, right? Everybody is, has different gifts, so all, all these members can come together and function and do ministry for the Lord. So Paul's trying to clear all of this up with the gifts, its proper use of it, uh, in order, how to use it in service, all of that stuff. So in the middle of everything, he comes and he talks about love. And he talks about how, like if you look in verse 12, uh, the last verse, um, it says, and I will show you still more an excellent way. What he's saying is, you know what's better than all these gifts? Is love. So when he comes into verse 1 of chapter 13, he's saying, you know, if I speak in, in tongues, a language that is known, or an unknown language, if, if, if God gifts me with that, but have not love, then you know what? I'm just making noise. It's nothing. It, 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 it has no, no, no substance or anything to it. If I have prophetic powers, like, like prophecy, if I give prophecy, or if I have all knowledge, I give a word of knowledge, or if I have the gift of faith, but if I don't have love, then I'm nothing. You see, these guys were priding themselves with their gifts and thinking that, oh, they are so much spiritual than everyone else. But Paul's saying it's not about the gifts. You want to be spiritual? It's about love, agape. And he says, look, if I give away, like I, I, I give everything, I keep giving, I'm tithing, I, I give everything. Some people pride themselves in that. Some, some people are pride themselves, oh, I, I'm sacrificing. And now these are all good things, understand. But if that's what it is all about, your sacrifice, your giving, Paul says, you know what? I gain nothing. 
Without love, it's nothing. So agape love, this is what Paul was saying, that's what really matters here. Agape love, that is what matters most to Christians. What is love? Love is most important to have in your life. And, and, and let me bring you to this. Turn over to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. And, and look at verse 7 and 8 here. John really gets down to the black and white of all this about love and love in our lives. He says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And anyone, verse 8, who does not love does not know God because God is love. So John's bringing it down to this. Look, we, we got to love it. We got to agape one another. That's what the word is. Why? Because that agape is from God. God puts it in us. God is in us. You know, the first fruit of the Spirit is what? In Galatians 5. Love. Love. It's important. Whoever loves or agape is showing that they are born of God, that they are believers. They've been born again. And they, that they know God. Because if you don't love with this agape as a Christian, then it shows you don't know God. Why? Because one of the attributes of God is love, right? So love is most important. What is love? Love is most important. For it shows that you're a Christian. It shows who you are in Christ. So do you understand why we need to study this. I think we need to be reminded. I think we need to learn if this is the first time you're hearing this. I think we need to focus in and grow in this that, you know what, if I'm a believer, it's most important in my life. Yes, it's important to obey the Lord, obey His Word. Yes, it's important that we pray and read. We're in the Word, study the Word. Yes, it's important we exercise our gifts and we serve God. But love is most important important. Oswald Chambers said, if my heart is right with God, every human being is my neighbor. I like that. You want to be really right with God? Well, I I obey the word. Yeah, I'm into the word. I come to church. I tithe. That's great. Obedience is what we need, especially as we fight against the flesh. But how about love? How about agape love? unconditional love. During World War II, a French widow switched IDs with this Jewish lady who was being chased by Germans. And this Jewish lady said, why, why would you do this? Why would you do this for me? Well, this uh, 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 Christian widow said, it's the least I can do. Christ has already done that and more. Well, within six months, the Christian widow died, this French a widow died in a concentration camp, but the Jewish lady ended up accepting Jesus Christ. You see how love is most important? What is love? Love is agape. Love is most important. Let's go to number three here now. Love is patient. Love is patient. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, we read, love, agape, is patient. We don't like that word, right? Patient? What? But Paul gets right to the nitty-gritty here, yeah, that agape is patient. Now, the Greek word here for patient is actually 
a, a, a Greek word that's two words put together. It's two words. It's, it's ma- makro and thumia. Makro means long, and thumia means tempered. So it means long-tempered. In other words, uh, love, agape, doesn't get upset easily. Uh, the King James Version says it's, it suffers long. Or the New King James, remember always reading that, long-suffering for the word patience. So love basically doesn't get annoyed too quickly. It's willing to suffer long when you're mistreated. It's willing to suffer when you've been wronged. Injustice is done to you. It's willing to be patient when someone hurt you or you've been hurt or you've been offended. You know what? With this patient patience and this suffering long under attacks and things that happen, agape also will not allow it to lead to anger and what's the other word? Retaliation. Retaliation. So let me put it this way. Agape is willing to take the hits. Agape is willing to take the hits again and again. Think about Jesus. Think about all the hits he took all the way in his ministry, even into his death. This is the kind of love that Jesus had. This is the kind of love, think about this, that Jesus loves us sinners with. That's how he loves us. With this agape, he's patient with us. Turn over to um, 2 Peter chapter uh, 3, verse 9. And we had studied this, didn't we, last year when we were going through the book of 2 Peter. But here in 2 Peter, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow... To fulfill his promise is some count slowness. Remember, we talked about Christ coming and bringing the judgment. But is what? Patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So God is patient with us as sinners, so patient that he brought us to him, that we, we were able to have grace and opportunity to come and be saved. Well, this is what love is. Love is Patient. This is the third thing I want you to see. Love is patient. It suffers long. There's a saying, right, in our society. Uh, I'm sure we've heard it, grew up with it. The saying goes, don't get mad, get even. Yeah. Get glad. Okay. I like that one. We'll, we'll switch that one around. But revenge, retaliation, right? That, that's what... We've been conditioned with. We've been conditioned with that. We grew up that way. Well, maybe you had parents or mentors who, who were, that was what they were really about. I mean, I like to watch those movies, yeah? The, the, the bad, you know, injustice is done to someone and, and they turn it around and get the bad guy. And we're like, yeah, yeah, you know, it gets me going. I like it. It interests me. I'm, I, I like those movies too. But, is that what really God wants here in what we read in 1 Corinthians 13, 4? You know, in ancient times, vengeance, that retaliation, that for the ancient times in the Greek culture, that was a virtue. It was something to have. It was something to be proud about. 
to hold on to. Maybe you count it as that's having character. It's not what matches here in the Bible. We've got to change that. We've got to change our thinking. Is vengeance really patience? Is that love? You see, God is calling us to a higher level here. Maybe we've been just operating on, yeah, I understand what agape is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. I'm going to do, uh, I'll just go and do what I can kind of thing. But I'm telling you, no. Don't just settle for a lower level of living. Deal with these issues. When, when, when something happens, someone wrongs you, what's your first reaction? Strike back? Say something back? Right away? Boom, right? You know what? God wants us to even go deeper inside. Maybe we're good. Self-discipline, we hold back. But you know what's better? Is that it's not even inside of us. That's this level of agape love. Many times we, we, we feel we have that right to retaliate. But I'm so glad God didn't do that with me. I'm glad he was patient. He has the right to judge me. He's God. He's the creator. He knows every one of my sins, even my thoughts and what's in my heart. But he's been patient with me. And that's agape. How about you? We need to grow in this. Our response is to love, to be patient. Let God control the situation. Let God take care of it in his justice and and what he wants to do in his sovereign plan. But for you, Paul is telling us, you know what? Love is patient, you guys. Love is long-suffering. We must remember how God deals with us even on a daily basis. A well-known atheist in the 1800s, Robert Ingersoll, would many times challenge God in the middle of his speeches or lectures by saying, I'll give God five minutes to strike me dead for the things I've said. After waiting, then Ingersoll would then use, use that, that nothing happened, that he wasn't struck dead to prove that God doesn't exist. Well, one, one pastor back then, Theodore Parker, responded to all that he was doing by saying this, Did he think that he could exhaust the patience of the eternal God in five minutes? Good thought. What God has given us, let's give to others. God has given us patience. Let's give patience to others. That's what we need to do. Love is patience. We need that kind of love, you guys. D.L. Moody said this, A man may be a good doctor without loving his patients, a good lawyer without loving his clients, a good geologist without loving science, but he cannot be a good Christian without love. I want to be a real Christian. I want to be a good Christian. I want to have that love. What is love? Well, we see here in verse 4, for love is patient. Love is patient. And then, finally, the fourth thing I want you to see is that love is kind. Love is kind. We read here in verse 4, love is patient and kind. Now, the word kind here in original language actually uh, has this, uh, uh, it, it speaks of serving. It means to serve. It means to help others with, with good, with grace and good in, intentions. 
And so what we're finding here, really, that love is kind, it means that, that love takes action. We do kind things. Kindness means to take action here. Love is patient when you're wrong. Think about it this way. Love is patient when you're wrong, but then it pays back with kind acts. That's the idea. See, kindness goes hand in hand with patience. They come together. In Romans chapter 2, verse 4, and this is the NLT, it reads, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Uh, In other translations, it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. That's the idea. It's kindness. It's his patience brought out in kindness that brings us to him. And and notice something here. As we go through this, uh, the Apostle Paul points... What he's doing is he's painting a picture. He's describing what what love is. And these character attributes are really, you know what, actions. They're actions. Agape love is taking action. And when I think about that, I think about that, oh, agape is choosing to do that action. Whether it's taking the hits, whether it's doing a kind deed in return, love doesn't feel patient, right? No, it practices patience. Love doesn't uh, have to feel to be kind to someone. It, it just does kind things. This is what love is. This is what love does. 1 John 3.18 says, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Love is kind. What is love? Love is kind. Someone wrote this poem, A little word in kindness spoken, a motion or a tear, has often healed a heart that's broken and made a friend sincere. I like that. That's the action, the kindness that we are to uh, give. You know what? I challenge you. Surprise someone. Rather than retaliation, be patient and do something kind. Refer to the term, kill them with kindness, right? Yeah. Do kindness. Do, do an act of kindness in return. You know, let's together, you and I, I mean, this is for me too, you and I, let's change the world around us. Let's change our church. Let's change the atmosphere all around us, in our family, in our workplace, wherever we go. This is the love that touches others. I wanted to share with you one of my pastor friends. Um, he uh, told me once how a new neighbor moved right next door to him who, who had a, a temper, always had a smell of alcohol in his breath. And one night, the pastor's dog barked all night while they were gone, and they came home to a note on the door. The note said, Quiet your dog, or I'll quiet, quiet him permanently. It was a threat. Well, my pastor friend said, well, his first response was to take the dog over and see if he can try, right, kind of thing. But then he remembered, you know what, this verse. He remembered love is patient, love is kind. So he went over and apologized, told him that he would, the neighbor, he told the neighbor that he'd keep the dog in the garage the next time. 
And then he, he said to his neighbor, uh, hey, let me know if you have anything else that, that, I, that you need or anything I could do for you to be, I want to be a good neighbor. And from that day on, this neighbor's attitude completely changed. That's the love that touches others. So God is calling us in this simple study this morning to step it up, to step up to a higher level, to rise up to a higher level. Well, we're, we're going to stop here right now. We're going to continue next week. And um, let me say this as we, I have some closing thoughts here. Number one is this, first of all, is this, I'm sorry to say you're going to have a rough re- week. This year may not start the way you want because you're going to be challenged here. God is speaking to us. And maybe already you've been challenged. But he's challenging us to live the agape, to live out this agape love. But I believe through that, God wants us to grow exponentially. I believe that with the Holy Spirit in us, God's love in us, the Spirit moving and filling us with that agape, we can. And I believe God wants us to start, I'm calling it an epidemic of agape, not COVID, that we would infect others with God's love. I love something um, the early church father Augustine said, one loving heart sets another on fire. Isn't that great? So I believe with the Holy Spirit in us, living inside of us, that you and I, we can change, that it's possible. We can be different than ever before. I believe 2024 will be the year we really learn to love. And that you and I, and I'm saying me, that I want to do things differently. I want to do something the world doesn't see anymore. I'll close with this. I like how uh, another keiki, um, this little girl named Rebecca, age eight, this is how she described what love is. She said, when my grandma got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandpa does it for her all the time. And she added, that's even when his hands got arthritis. That's love. That's real love. That's real agape. That's what love is. And that's the love that touches others. Let's pray. Lord, uh, as we close up here, God, we know that you are working in our hearts. That, Lord, what, what you are speaking to us about, Lord, today and in the next month, God, it is you. It's your voice. It's your word, Lord. That you want us, every one of us, you want our church, God. You want anybody who hears the sound of my voice to love with agape love, to learn, to grow in it, to not be satisfied on any lower level, but to actually become that believer, that child of God that you want us to be. Lord, do you want to use us with that love? Yes, it's good we share the gospel. It's good we, we, we give things. It's good we exercise our gifts, but even more so, let it all be fueled, Lord, 
by your love. May it be motivated. May it be driven by your love that's in us, and that love comes out in that agape. So, God, we know with that that nothing can stop you, Lord, in using us. With that, that nothing can stop, Lord. Even our enemy, the devil, cannot stop this kind of love. So, God, here we are, surrendered to you. And we ask, Lord, fill us with your spirit. And may that fruit of love grow more and more and more. In Jesus' name, amen.